0: Andy Farrell, are you watching? so Excuse
1: me. That's a bit offensive to us because we're well. You could just keep your own opinion to yourself. The Six Nations
0: on OTB. Subscribe to the OTB Rugby Podcast feed on the OTB Sports app now.
2: Okay, we're underway with episode three of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. You're all very welcome along to this week's edition. Paddy Andrews, how are you? Great, flying it. Oh, mm, you're in good form. That's good to hear. Just look at that smile. Look, he is That's in good magic, form. It?
1: It's yeah, right, lighting, here, like.
2: yeah, there is. You're looking good, James. How are you doing?
1: I'm very good. That's a fake smile by Paddy, I reckon. After the mm. weekend, I think so too. <laughs> this is a real smile after seeing an exhibition. Yeah, you loved it, didn't you? <laughs> I
0: had a feeling this has got to be a challenging part for me.
2: Hmm. Yeah. It was an interesting weekend, wasn't it? There was a there was a lot happening across the board. Obviously. There was the junior intermediate All-Ireland finals. Some great stories in that. You know, in the league then we had some big, big results. We had London winning again. Unbelievable result, beating Waterford. Andy Moran's Leitrim got their win against the 2020 Munster Champions. Tipperary. Sligo kicked 28 points. Like, what the hell? Outrageous scoring, like. It's not hurling. Sensational going. Pat Spillane Jr. kicked two of them off the bench. Mm -hmm. There was a good photo of Pat Spillane and his wife and and the son after the game. So yeah. Loads happening. So we've we've plenty to get through. Um we're gonna have a, a chat about Tyrone and Armagh. We're gonna look a little bit at Dublin and Kerry naturally in Tralee. James is there. What was it like, James, being at a game in Kerry, in Tralee, home crowd? Were you queuing three hours hours before the game? <laughs>
1: I think the stand was full at five o'clock. Wow. And the thrown at seven. And it was shocking weather. It was shocking. Oh. Uh, fair play to them. They went in at five. There was a great atmosphere inside. I went in late. I went in around quarter to seven into the terrace.
2: Did you get in the player's entrance?
1: <laughs> I, no. I went down, I went down right, it was absolutely buckling rain. The wind was howling, but like there was still a nice buzz around the stadium, you know, it was a nice atmosphere. The dubs were quiet. You know, usually the, the last couple of games with Dublin and Kerry I've been at in Tralee, the dubs are down the, down the far end and yeah. they go behind the goal and they're really loud and they nearly really 't to the atmosphere but they were eerie quiet even before throwing. I think they knew that it wasn't going to be <laughs> <laughs> the best day for them and the Kerry crowd were hopping in fairness. Yeah, it were, were, yeah, sounded, yeah.
2: sounded like some atmosphere. We're going to get into that Dublin Kerry game in a couple of minutes. I think there's only one way that we can start the pod this week. And it is with the remarkable scenes at the athletic grounds, like that scene of David Goff flashing the four red cards. That is just going to be shown over and over and over again this year. Incredible. Um, Incredible in the sense that we've never really seen anything like that before. And it's, it's one of these, I suppose you can call it melee. you can call it a scuffle. It's probably more so handbags and, and headlocks more than anything really. Um, I think we're going to start there because we, we do have a man who has form for being involved in these malays. <laughs> <laughs> Paddy Andrews, back in 2008, you had the number four on your chest. You were playing your, uh, your old foes at the time, Meade, in a, I think a Division 2 game in Parnell Park. It was Division 2, yeah. Yeah, and, and off the back of this game, if people remember, this is the game known as the storm in a teacup. I don't know if I've made that up, but Kieran Whelan had a, a cup thrown at him by a Mead fan. And I think that was, yeah. that was the start of our, our downside after that, really. Do you know? After yeah. that day, there was a cup thrown at Kieran and said, You never lift a cup, Kieran. That's the one you'll have to lift. And uh, what happened to Dublin in the next? Anyways, 16 suspensions off the back of that game.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: And yourself and Bernard Brogan got picked out for red card. Hands That's up. Amazing. Statute of limitations have passed. What did you do?
0: Nothing, um, like it's gas, and I, that's why it'd be interesting now. We see the, the, the follow from Armand from Theron a, a, on Sunday. Like, Pillar Caffey was the Dublin manager at the time. made. I still think I'm pretty sure Darren Fay was playing. There were still a few of that made team were still locking around. Like, it was my first year with Dublin, and I don't know, Jimmy, if you've ever experienced this. Like, we knew there was going to be a round in this game, <laughs> it was like we were told, like if they start acting up everyone in and made were told from talking to the lads after Anthony Miles is playing and stuff Meade were told the exact same thing. <laughs> so like Both teams were just waiting for the very first flashback. Then it was about two minutes in like four, four uh, minutes, I think four minutes in. Yes. Yeah. So the most innocuous stuff, I was like say cornerback down the scoreboard at the Parnell park. And I, I, between the two lads that were picked up myself and Bernard Brogan, like two of the worst lads to be in a row. Like we do absolutely nothing. Like, And somehow Paddy Russell, who was, came to fame with uh, Paul Galvin slapping the uh, notebook out of his hand as well. Someone had told Paddy Russell, these fellas came in late. And it was the fact that I was there so late. So I had to run the whole length of the pitch. I was like the last guy in. And I shouldered some fella in the back. Your man didn't even feel it, I'd say. <laughs> he was looking and go, oh, what's this little Muppet doing? I was only 19. Like, um, Did that, and that was it. And then I got out of there as quick as I could because there were some hardy men in that, like Wheelow and Darren Faye and these fellows. I was like, this is not the spot for a 19-year-old. So I got back out around the edges, and burnout was probably the same. And somehow, we were picked out of it. There was four lads sent off. So there was two meat guys as well. I think, Mac, I think... Uh... I must double-check that now, yeah. I think yeah, nine, no, nine, just nine, just nine McKay was sent off. off. Yeah,
2: well, I'll tell you what it was, right? Um, four Dublin players afterwards indicated they would not seek hearings. However, it was understood that Bernard Brogan, Jeremy Connolly, Paddy Anders and Tomás Quinn... Intended to take their That's case clean. to the central, <laughs> to the central <laughs> hearings committee.
0: It's wimps. With we five. Colorado, like, Jesus. With five meat, five meat players no, set to, set to miss two championship games. And I'll tell you why it, it, it's funny. Three games. We, we missed, we, yeah, we, we missed two games and the league final was one of them. So we got, we played Westmead in the league final division two. We lost we got seven or eight points. And uh, we were all suspended for. We all ended up going on the beer during the game. It was great. (laughs) uh, James, a great kick to miss. Have you ever seen Uh, a photo
2: of the Manchester United players back around 2005? It's quite a famous photo. It's Rooney, Ferdinand, Giggs, a couple of them. They're all wearing these jeans and they look so out of fashion when yeah, you yeah, look yeah, back yeah. at it. Flares, I'll Flares send jeans. you this photo Flares, next. A, yeah. There's an incredible photo with the Dubs watching that Westmead game. And I can it's picture Paddy Andrews in his hoodie. Oh, it's, it's in it's Navin, in is it? It's in Navin, yeah, yeah. It was in Navin on a Saturday night. Those jeans uh, all the out of fashion, Paddy.
0: That, that was all the rage back then. Ah. Flair jeans, kickers, hoodies. But uh, anyway, Wheeler got set off after about 10 minutes later and you're right, jeez, it was out of form. Someone threw a, a couple. of... They Then from the Stanley. Like, with an they actual with their actual tea in it. Yeah, oh, yeah, Jesus, yeah. Right. yeah. That's why obviously that pun came out of it. Now, we didn't get near them but uh mm. it wasn't great. But we we appealed and they were like, no chance. But, and it got so much coverage. And yeah. this is where and I seen Fergal Logan and Brian Dewar's comments after after the weekend. And I have to say, and I don't know I didn't think there was a whole pile in it. I, I'm surprised, like the footage wasn't great of the weekend and particularly dangerous when you're right there at the, at the railings, mm. you see like there's kids right there. It's not a great look, but in saying that it looked pretty innocuous as well. So, so I, I command David Goff to, to kind of get in and say, look, right, let's stamp this out. Cause it's not a good look. Nobody likes seeing it, but it's just surprising that out of all of that, he's managed to settle on four Tyrone lads and from Tyrone's point of view, that's four of their best players. You know, their player of the year, their captain, all-star, Peter Hart as well, Michael McKiernan, like, they're four key players for Tyrone going forward. They're already kind of up against, I know Jimmy tipped them for relegation from, from his first two minutes on the pod. I can understand why they'll appeal it but just the coverage this has gotten across the board, social media and everything I think the GA are going to support David Goff on this one and back him up and I, I, I'd be surprised if any of the guys get off but it's saying that that's interesting Like from watching it back and I watched it back again today <laughs> it is a lot of handbags I don't know but the, the, I think uh, one thing I
2: hate is the headlock like when did this become acceptable, James? <laughs> to go in mm-hmm. and reef a fella from behind the neck and yeah. drag him in against a railing or drag him to like that's dangerous going
0: railing was dangerous, I thought. And, I'm McShane just, and i McShane, and I can't remember who it was. There's a couple of fight in against it, like there was a lot. I'm so actually Reading, like, it, it's hard because the referees aren't given a
2: platform to come out and explain or to talk. And sometimes I think that might make things a bit better if they're able to come out and say, listen, this is what I saw. This is what I got in my earpiece. This is why I made the decision. The GA haven't made a f- clear diktat of whether mm. what's going on. So I'm sure we'll hear about it. You know, Tyrone and Norma have, or it's within their rights to appeal it. But we'll see what happens there.
0: James, you know what the interesting, one, the interesting thing about it, Tommy? Just like, David Goff com- takes his time. It's not a rash anyone? decision that he consults with both his umpires, sits back. both his linesmen, and perhaps maybe they've seen something that maybe the TV cameras didn't show. But like he consulted with all four of his officials, he took his time with it and was adamant around it. So, so I thought that it was well handled. But I do think it was harsh. Like if you're going to go down that road, like the Paddy Russell road with us and me, it was like two each. and but, just go off. Yeah. But to settle on four to round guys and then. I, I, I actually think of it was... Uh, it's just an interesting one, how we settle on that. I'd love, I think to, it, you're right, I'd love to hear about
2: it. Yeah, I think if it was two and two, there mightn't be much of a fuss. James, what did you make of it all? Would you be a man? Would, you be, if, would it be all in? Would you be in?
1: Well, I'm a lover, not a fighter, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to go in because there is, it is yeah. the mantra all, all in or, or one in all in. So you have to go in just to show unity at the very least. But Patty's right in terms of golf. Like, Goff has done this. He's the first person, now to just go in and start waving cards after mm-hmm. a brawl. So the GA can't go against him because they'll be hanging Goff out to dry then. They have to support him. Yes. So I think that the, the bans are going to be upheld. But, yeah. like, all these brawls, they're not good. They're not good for, for viewers. They're not good for supporters. But I was just thinking earlier, all the things you can get, a, get away with in a brawl, like, you can basically go in and do anything... Because no one can see what you're doing. But like even when you're growing up in club teams and things, there's things you can get away with. Like even when you grab someone by the, the scruff of the neck and you can give an old rabbit punch into the into the chin. Like that's not a card offense. Like that is a red card, really, but you're not gonna get anything for it. There you can go in and just start pushing someone as hard as you can into the chest. Again, like not really a card cardable offense. Taking someone to the ground like it's a black card really, but in a, in a melee or a brawl, you kind of get away with it. The headlock is something that's probably gone out of control. Um, yeah. because it's, it hasn't been given as a red card before, but as soon as you put someone in a headlock, it is dangerous. I know Jesus, that have been nearly choked out on the ground. Like they've yeah. been tapping the fella's knee going, just leave me up, leave me up, leave me up. Like, so that is going too far. Um, and then the last one is if you see someone on top of your player, You have the right to pull him off your player as aggressively as you want, basically. You can rip the jersey off his back. And that's happening all the time. So I think a couple of red cards flashed will put a bit of a damper on all all those things happening. And I'd I'd support Gaff if I was a GA.
0: But but, but do you know what's interesting? Like, they've said, Gaff has set a precedent here. And and I agree. Like, the GA think you're going to back him. These. These rows happen all the time. Look at the Croaks, All-Ireland Club semi-final there last week. There's a round in the tunnel. Jimmy, you're talking about Dublin and Kerry games in Tralee. Yeah, I remember a couple of games in Tralee. But uh, even
2: the night before, there was a bit of a, a, a scrap. We were getting you
0: know? very excited going down the tunnel. We had a massive brawl with, with uh, Tyrone and Oma there in 2020, the last game before COVID. Um,
2: Mayo going down the tunnel?
0: Mayo. Mayo that, ones weren't that bad. So that's 2020, uh, no? I don't think so no but Mayo one was I didn't think it was that bad the okay. Throne one in Oma was that was all in there that was, that was full on um, remind me of that one was that by the sideline or where was that again yeah uh, it? it was in Healy Park it was the last game before COVID and we were coming off and uh, a couple of Throne boys waited at the tunnel going in at half time and it just kicked off. And then I was actually in the stand. I was injured the week before. And Colin McShane was actually injured as well. And he was hobbling down the stairs trying to get into it. And I was, I was like, you need to stay out of that. Like, Jesus Christ. Dragging the leg along trying to get in. And it is, it's dangerous. But nothing came out of that. Nothing comes out of these things. You're right. They can kind of be passed off as they're innocuous enough. But they can go wrong. Something can go wrong. And someone can get seriously injured, and that's what the GAA do not want to get themselves into that situation. And just the fact that this got so much coverage mm. over the last 48 hours, you did like something like there's kids a, a yard away, video on this on their phone. It's just not, it's not a great look. And that's why I feel was maybe Goff extreme. I would say possibly yes, but I do think the GA are going to back him on this. And it's, it's just a hard one for Throne. Losing the game, you could get a sense through the entire game. There's there's big rivalry thrown there, Matt. It's back. There was was needle there throughout the entire match. There was little scuffles all the time. And it was just frustration at the end for Toronto that that it kicked off. But for them now to to lose that game, and like I say, arguably go in without four of their most influential players for the next couple of games. I can see why they're frustrated with that. I can see why they'll appeal it, but... I'd be surprised if the GAA wrote back on David Goff because I agree with Jimmy. He, he he's come out. He's put himself on the line by taking such a strong stance, and um, and he's been commended by it across the board. I, I've seen a lot of people picking him up. But for, there's a mixture. Actually, I'm supposed to go and do that.
2: There's a yeah, mixture. So, the reaction the reaction has been quite mixed, I think. And I, I like I, I'm, uh, I've been in the same boat as the two E. I think <clears throat> maybe maybe four was excessive, but maybe four was the statement that was needed as well. You know, and it is harsh on those players in the sense that they're flying fit, probably they are big league games coming up and they're going to miss them. But like, you know, we see it at club level and we we give out stink about, you know, these disgraceful scenes where, yeah. you know, it's starting to happen where fans are getting involved. And like, all you needed was in, like imagine in the athletic grounds, if someone managed to throw a box over the rail and in the crowd, you'd be crying assault to be an issue there. Do you know what I mean? So um, I think I, I actually looked away. Watching the live game, i be I had two games on. I think I the I think I had the me game on in my ears. And once the straw started, I was like, Oh, I'm not. I couldn't be arse watching this like because it wasn't there was nothing happening like it wasn't like me to Mayo back in '96 when there's flying kicks or there's punches or That's whatever right. going
0: like, like that was a row, like there was yeah, like, this was like that lads would have been sent off that day in '96. Yeah, this was, pathetic. this was very tame compared to that. Now, but
1: and you know and I think what happened, yeah. they're just going to go in and start pushing each other and you know, do what they know isn't going to get a record. Yeah, it's on the golf thing, right. on a referee coming out saying what he saw or whatever is dangerous territory I think because do you think what if he says he saw something that didn't happen like which you know (laughs) because they're they're wrong a good bit of the time
0: so if you put old Niall Scully from Saturday night
1: exactly (laughs) if you put put Panerlein and go one further away (laughs) yeah so they're going to come out on TV and say I saw this this and this and everyone is just going to say right (laughs) <laughs> and the Ray Card's going to be rescinded. Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, well, maybe, yeah. I I don't know. I just think there could be a little bit more, more done, maybe. Or maybe not even the referee themselves. Maybe even the, the head of the referees comes out at the end of the weekend on a Monday. Maybe they're made available to the media and maybe they've been briefed by the refs and they say, look, you know, we got it wrong down in Tralee. You know, I don't know how we picked out Niles Scully, but it was a mistake. That happens. Uh, this is what David Goff was thinking, and this is what happened, and this is why we've done it. I just think that would be a step forward, and maybe it would make the referees a little bit more uh, invested in what's happening as well, you know? Um Just a final note on it's 2008. It's a great line here. Pillar Crafrey. Uh, Paul Caffrey believes Dublin were being made an example of by the GA after eight of his players received suspensions for their part in the brawl he said that Dublin have been hung out to dry on this and he agreed with Dave Billings' assertion that Nicky Brennan had prejudiced the CCCC's investigation by claiming he was disgusted by the 29-man brawl I don't know That just
0: who
1: wasn't <laughs> in it I don't know what? was the close Look <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: it I was the odd, and I swear to God I was I, honestly I was the last man in right because it was the other corner of the pitch and it was me and him standing there and he's like I'm not going near that and I was like thinking looking at him and then I was looking at our coaches and the lads and I was like I have to go. You're a young lad. <laughs> you're impressionable. So I leg it down, and of course you had to go. Sadly, so yeah, he's was the like, only like, one
1: And Materazzi in that, yeah. in that um, photo, Do you know, AC Milan against Inter Milan. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's really sure. yeah.
0: Sure. <laughs> I'd have been better off. I'd have been better off. But um, yeah, okay. I don't know. if is probably yeah. I don't know if I fully agree with him on that. But, yeah, but okay. Okay. Right.
2: Okay. Well, that's we've we've done plenty on that there. So um, we might move. We might leave the refereeing decisions for a minute. Just to run through, we're going to get into some of the analysis here, just to run through the results. I, I did mention them earlier on. Kerry won 15, Dublin 11 points. Kerry's biggest ever win, I think, against Dublin in the league in an awful long time. It could be ever. Armagh 214, thrown 14 points. Monaghan one eleven, Mayo 210. Big win for Mayo. Um, there might be a couple of shouts there for the score of the week in that game as well. I don't know if you saw Michael Banigan's flick up to set up McCarron's goal thought it was gorgeous lovely little set up and uh, the rhino Donahue goal was very very impressive as well a really good move Donegal 2-11 1-9 Kildare they held them off big win for Donegal there. Kildare Jimmy Highland was looking good again um, in Division 2 Galway won 12 down 9 points not a big win for Pork Joyce's team they're motoring well it was a draw between Cork and Clare this was a big game though. that could have been a big two points either way and it could end up being an important point for both of those teams but Clare was drawed to death after Brian Hurley scored a free that ended up in the back of the net Meade were beaten 111 to 115 the 15 minutes before half time really killed Meade in this game they were in a decent position against the wind and I think it was Common scored 7 or 8 points in the trot and it was just too much to Meade That a man black carded for the first 10 minutes of the second half and the end of the game with 13 men as James McIntyre Andy Mack and his nephew was red-carded and Andy was red-carded himself. Actually, it was 14 men. Andy obviously wasn't on the pitch. So that was a four-point defeat. And then Offaly and Derry, a massive win for Derry. two thirteen against Offaly, seven points. I'm not sure if you saw that video put into the WhatsApp group there, Paddy. Can you confirm whether it was Rory Gallagher screaming yeah. in the 72nd minute, go for yeah. gold?
0: <laughs> I told you, he's hoarse after every match. We were just chatting to him when he came on last year. Yeah. I
2: remember
0: watching the, the championship game against Donegal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Oh my god, like there was a smaller crowd but the poor fella. How he wouldn't be able to talk for three or four days after a match with City, but But they're they're, uh, they're like, it was definitely him, and it was a great finish with Shane McGregor. Yeah, um, lucky he went for the goal, he'd have
2: been killed if he didn't go for it.
1: He was never going to go for a point there. The keeper was out on top of the keeper, the
2: keeper was. Oh, all yeah, yeah. there were, they were nine points there were nine points down and there was only a minute or two to go so Paddy Dunnegan was was a good bit I think it was Paddy Duncan was a good bit off his line there
0: Derry, Derry just carrying on their form again yeah. the Rossi's doing what they do relegated yeah. and then start steamrolling <laughs> Division 2 and Galway another good win so it looks like already after two games you're looking at those three teams definitely so two of those guys are going to shoot it out uh, Derry-Roscommon I think will be a big game whoever might win win that one will get promoted up to Division 1 I feel and I think yeah. all will go up as well and then you're looking at Meade Offaly Cork and Clare it's it's well no, Cork in and draft.
2: Down, uh, Clare are playing Derry now at home in their next game that'll be an interesting one Do you know Clare very good Division 2 team it'll be interesting to see where that one goes is that so, in Ennis? that's in Ennis so that I'm going to I'm going to get to that I think so that's going to be a, an interesting one game, yeah. Division 3 or Limerick sorry Six goals so far this year. They had their two goals in the first five minutes in this game. They bet Endemaginis Antrim above an Antrim. That's a great win for Billy Billy Lee's Limerick. That's a huge win. Um, Leash and Westmead. Westmead, 211 to Leash's 11 points. That was tight. Um, Westmead got a late goal with Kieran Martin. And then over in Longford, it was nine points to one six against Loud. Loud got a late free to equalise it. Samuel Roy scored that one. And then Wicklow, who had a good show on the first day out but fell short, uh, drew it for mana. 110 to 27. So a tough start for Kieran Donnelly and Fermanagh. And Wicklow there got their first points under Colin Kelly. And then in Division Four, which is shaping up to be really interesting, London with that one point win. Oh. Haven't played in two years. Now they've got two wins back to back. Runner all their hops. Leitrim, 2 8 to 2 to 2 8. point win against Tip. I was following this game on, on Scorpio the app, and what was most impressive was Tip got a goal when there's maybe five points in it. Leitrim responded with a point inside 30 seconds. Tip get another goal to bring it back to win five points. Leitrim respond with a goal in their next move. So, great signs there in Leitrim. Great win, and well done to Andy Moore and his team. Um, coincidentally, I think that's Leitrim's first win since 2020 as well, in March 2020, in any, in any grade in, in football. Like, so massive for them. Sligo, 28 points. Carlow five. Like, Jesus, Carlo could have been going into that game, you know, with with a point on the board, two points on the board. They've been 10 points up against London the first day. And now they've been beaten by London and now 28 points to five. So that's tough. And Calvin bet Wexford 17 points to 1-8. So they're the results. We're going to be getting into a few of those games in a in a little bit more depth now over the next hour or so. We'll be getting to our football pod Q and a We'll have a look at our fantasy teams where James O'Donoghue has rocketed up the table and Patty Anders has slid back down towards the relegation zone. <laughs> we'll be talking about that as well. So, you are listening to episode three of the football pod with Patty Anders and James O'Donoghue. Do hit subscribe. You can subscribe to us wherever you want, whether it's Spotify on the OTP Sports app, whether it's Apple, wherever you listen to the podcast, hit subscribe, hit follow there's different functions of giving us a rating we would love it you can let us know how James is getting on so far he's doing pretty I think he's doing all right. Paddy isn't he he's settled in
0: he's settled in
2: so never a doubt we're going to be back right after this with a bit of chat about Tyrone and Armagh and Dublin Kerry and you're very welcome back to the football pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue I'm Tommy Rooney and we're about to get talking some football naturally so let's start with Armagh and Tyrone Armagh 214 Tyrone 14 points um Armad doubled down on their, their first day performance. They were electric in this first half. They scored their two goals. They probably could have had more. Yeah. Jason Duffy's finish for a second was brilliant. A brilliant run by the midfielder. Slipped it to Duffy. I think it was Tiernan Kelly. Slipped it to Duffy. Steps Morgan and buries him into the back of the net. They probably could have had a couple more goals, lads. Um, James, you must be impressed by Armagh.
1: Arma, look. Look like they've done a pile of work in the winter. They just look a step ahead of everyone Physically. But the most Im- impressive thing that I can see about our mat is that they can all kick a point. No matter who's in the position, left leg, right leg, they're throwing it over. They're actually everything that Monaghan aren't at the moment. Because Monaghan are kind of playing similar-ish in terms of like they're getting into good positions, mm-hmm. but they don't seem to have the fellas to take the shots. And unless you can score, everything else is going to be under pressure. And when you're throwing over points easily, it papers over an awful lot of cracks going the other way. And I just think that Armagh, for some reason, I think they must be doing a lot of work on shooting, but their scoring threat is massive at the moment. And I know we said that Reno O'Neill is is the the business. He is. Mm. But it's not a one-man show there by any stretch of the imagination. And if they can keep tipping away at those scores, if they can hit the 18, 19 points every game in the league... I know the scores will probably drop down once they hit Ulster Championship but if they can hit those standards in the league consistently and the confidence that's going to bring them they're going to be a savage outfit yeah that's interesting interesting. it's going to be interesting to see are they that far ahead physically of everybody else is that the difference at the moment because we've said on a couple of other episodes that Tyrone obviously don't have that much work done yet Mm. Is that the difference? Did Armagh have just this bank of work done that's going to secure them these points in the league? It'll be interesting to see, can, can they sustain it?
2: Yeah, I think um that's an interesting point about the scorers. They had 11 scorers on the pitch across the board. O'Neill got four points. Jason Duffy won one. Grugan with two. Greg McCabe with the goal. But they're spread of scores across the board as well. Charlie Oak Burns, again, backed up with performance against Dublin, penetrating the defence, passing ball off to the right man, uh, setting up scores. And then they got a couple of scores off the bench as well. Soupy Campbell with a point, actually the only point off the bench. But like, the big thing for me about Armada this year, Paddy, looking at them is... They've unearthed another couple, of, another few gems. Like I've been sleeping a bit on Jason Duffy. I don't know if I've, I've missed him over the last couple of years or he was only getting runs in the Mechanic Cup in the league, but Duffy is looking really good. You've got the Mackin boys, brothers of the two Mackin sisters. They're flying. Charlie Oak Burns is back and motoring really well. What's it like when, you've, when you start to feel your
0: squad coming together like that? I think they're all flying. And we've said this over the last two or three years. Armagh, they're high octane all the time. That they, they always have their energy from all over the pitch. So I, I do back to my I hear you, Jimmy, that there's no doubt not all teams in the top division certainly are at, at peak fitness yet, but our man, to be fair to them, all through last season's campaign and the year before that as well, they are high energy all the time. What they've done now and what's impressive, and I have to say, their first half display on Sunday was of the highest, highest quality. Like, they blew Toronto out of the water. Their last two games, they've dispatched with ease of the last two All-Ireland champions. The confidence that will give those players, i, I, I tell me it's a case. Those guys, they've been in the squad. Like I said, mcgee has been given time and it, it's been a slow burner, probably slower than he would have hoped or, or our supporters would have hoped. But th- that team has been building and building and building. And these players are getting more and more confidence. When you have that athleticism, it, it, it's a brilliant base to start from that okay I, I, I'm going to be able to run my opponent into the ground we have a style of play and we, we touch on this so much the best coaches will design a game plan to get the most out of the players at their disposal mm. the style of play I am playing it's so direct it's all action and that suits the players they have there and you're right Reno Neil is like a, he's the cherry on top uh, and we touched on he did play a little bit further out, uh, out this weekend but he had massive moments in the game as well. Great pass in for the first goal. Liam Rafferty would be very disappointed. Kind could, of could, could loses the flight of the ball. But they scored two fourteen on Sunday. 2-15 the week before. And you're yeah. right, they could, they could have had a couple more goals against Dublin. They certainly could have had a couple more goals against Tyrone. They're absolutely flying in at the minute. They've monitored the next day out. Monin, they'd be disappointed with losing that game in, in Clonus yesterday. And all of a sudden, you're looking at our map. We said at the start of the National League, there's always two or three teams between all the divisions that get momentum, they get on a roll early. And without a doubt, in terms of all the teams we've seen over over Division 1 to date, they are the most impressive team so far. 100%. 100%. And the confidence they will take from it to beat... Dublin and Crow Park, which none of those players had done before, and then to take down the All-Ireland champions, in the style they took them down, a little bit wobbly towards the second half, yeah. but that was yeah. just Tyrone had to come out with something. Um, it was but it good again, to see that
2: bit of bite from Tyrone,
0: like you could well, see it? When they, they, they had to, they were so far off the pace in the first half, there had to be some sort of reaction, but the damage was done very similar to what, what we seen in Tralee with, with Kerry and Dublin, just the gap was too big they were never going to get it back. But it was a bit of fight from Tyrone, but I, I still thought Armagh finishing the game out well. A great score from from Campbell coming off the bench. We've seen O'Neill winning the long kick out. They've been the most impressive team. Their direct style of play, their penetration from all over the pitch, athleticism, energy, and they seem to be enjoying the style of play. It yeah. suits the players yeah. they have. And that's a brilliant position for McGuini and McKeever and Donny and the coaches to be in. That they have guys itching to get out onto the pitch because it's just it's such an enjoyable way to play, and they'll be going totally confident taking on Manahan in two weeks' time to hopefully go for three for three and put them in pole position uh, to try and claim a division one title.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that Tyrone only came back into it because Armad naturally took the foot off the gas. Do you know mm. when you're when you're ahead by so much? Yeah. Mentally, you do kind of just say, all right, we're in a good position here and you're not going to do exactly the same things as you do when you're chasing the game. But for me, the most impressive thing about Armagh at times, we say about their style of play, but what allows them to play like that is the handling of their forwards. Do you ever notice that every single ball is stuck to them? There's or no clinical. ball going in. They are very clinical, yeah. yeah. But it, just in terms of like every ball sticks, there's, it, the ball's not going in and coming back out. Every ball that gives a forward half a chance, they're winning it. Winning it strong. Grugan, he must have hands yeah. of shovels. Yeah, yeah. I've never <laughs> seen him drop a ball. And he even did last week. He even did an old um Cruyff turn. I know. I'm such <laughs> a deft like a kick
2: <laughs> as a kick passer. Such a deft like classy passer of the football as well. Yeah, he's an enough. Come here. The handling, right? How how do you get better at that?
1: Reps. Reps. Just just catching with one hand catching with someone on you just holding you like just reps of different catches all the time but like it's something that's not practiced that much sometimes you go into a drill in training and there'll be balls lamped at you and it will be spilling off your chest and then you realize geez I don't have enough work done on that and it can make or break you because you might only get one chance Mm -hmm. to catch a ball in the sweet spot Maybe in the middle of the D, you might get that ball, and if your hands are on, if your hands are right, you've a goal chance. If your hands are off, there's a counterattack. But there's never a counterattack on our mat because yeah. every ball sticks.
2: Wait, wait, that's really interesting. When you say reps, right? You just are you saying that you're pulling one of the wing wing backs aside and training the Like, is this something you would have actively worked on? And also, second part of that question: Where was your sweet spot? Is it up high? Is it in your chest? Where, like,
0: where are you? Where is your sweet spot? Do you ever catch a ball over your head, Jimmy? Never no? catch a ball over
1: my head. <laughs> that was for. <laughs> I can just say, nah, the shoulders didn't let me catch the ball off. My head. <laughs> <laughs> but my no, I used to like it, just there, like right in front of your face, that you could hold it out far enough from the defender that even if he got the hand in, you'd still catch it. But yeah, hundred percent, I used to do an awful lot of work on handling because. I actually have small hands. I just knew that I needed to do a lot of work on it. I hated I hated dropping the ball. It's just a bad sign of a forward when you drop the ball. And now if you drop it, teams train counterattacks mm-hmm. night in, night out. If you turn over the ball there, it could be in the back of the net.
0: But at the at the highest level, James, you only get one chance for it. Like you're talking about particularly Ulster Championship, you're talking about All Ireland series, All Ireland finals. You're gonna have a mad... if you're in the full forward line, you're being mad marked. And you're being mad marked by some of the best defenders in the game. If you don't if you don't collect the ball first time, forget about it. Forget about it. Yeah. You, you're only gonna get, you're playing inside, you might only get 13 or 14 possessions in the whole game. You might only get four or five of them in the scoring zone. And if your hands are off, you know it's absolutely crucial at this level with the speed of the game. You don't get opportunities to mess around with it. And it's like, you, I'll give you an example. You look at our map and the improvements they've made in it and how clinical they are on the ball and in their finishing as well. And, and one of like a key moments on, on Saturday night f- from the game in Trelaine, I know we we'll get onto this Dublin get a two on one. Lorcan O'Dell, a young guy, inexperienced. And it's like, how many times have we seen Dublin over the years? Dean Rock in his classic position on the back post, just waiting for a pan ball into the net and the handling's bad. It's just overhead. It's just a touch. It's just inexperience it experience it, it, in a way. But that, the game was 5-4 at that point. That's more Dublin in the lead. Chance is gone, and we know what happens over the next 10 or 12 minutes. At the highest level of the game, you've got to be ruthless. You've got to be clinical. And that starts with, with, with your handling, because James is right. You start dropping balls, yeah. and particularly against teams like Tyrone. If you did it against Armagh, the speed at which they'll counterattack you're chasing your tail all day, and to be honest, as a forward, you won't be long on the pitch because you'll be getting a curly finger if if you're not getting the ball. Never mind trying to clip a couple of scores. So
2: I, I that's really interesting. I take it for granted. I think I used to always. Do you know how you know if your eye was in? You, you just knew if you were being you know good training practice or match practice. You knew your handling was in, like or if you're being out injured or whatever. Like at any level, you're just misjudging the ball, like. Do you know it can just happen so easily? Who was I, your yeah. favorite player to receive? a direct ball into the full forward line-off? Alan Brogan. You, Paddy, Alan Brogan, yeah?
0: Yeah. And Why, worst, <laughs> Michael Darmacon.
2: <laughs> Brogan just gave... Drill it at you.
0: Drill it at you with the laces and like coming in about 100 miles an hour. You needed to have the world's best hands getting a kick pass so in if, it, you...
1: if it's being punted at you, forget about oh, it. You it's it like a beach ball. Uh, and you're uh, thinking, what so are you giving me here? So Brogan <laughs> delivered it with a bit of compassion.
0: Yeah, it's easy, for, so he knows what you want. Yeah, Alan had played inside for a lot of his career and then went out to 11. Mm. So he's just put the little one bounce pass, the easy dig. one to collect. Connolly was hard work as well. Like, Connolly look, just was just it at you as but, well. Like, he'd have no Connolly's, time for
2: it. Was Connolly's hard work because he played it with the outside of the boot a lot?
0: Yeah. I was coming at you
1: like 100 miles an hour now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I remember a teammate pulling me before about that saying, stop passing the ball like that. We can't <laughs> catch it.
1: Very often, the best passers are the best receivers because they know what they want. And so they know what you want as the receiver. Mm. So they're not giving a big, awkward pass. They're kind of thinking, what would they like to receive? And they're giving you the same thing. Like, obviously, I'm going to say Gooch because he played inside and then he went out to 11 and he just had... The pass would nearly catch it for you. It was so soft. He put a bit of spin on it that it would bounce off. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's just there's a a massive skill in that kick pass. Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Would I be? Would it be? Would Buckley's passing have been very,
1: very good? Johnny Buckley's yeah
2: yeah was there something about the Croaks the way they used to bounce pass it in they just had such a nice style of maybe it was around maybe it was just Gooch who led that like but
1: no the Croaks would have like almost a philosophy to be fair to them where they they'd instill that in the young lads very early and they all can give that that lovely pass Mm. Um, and it has to be coached young yeah you know because it has to be so second nature to, you to just give that right ball. But all in fairness, all those croaks lads had it.
2: Who was the is Michael Dar McCauley of the carry
1: team? Oh, oh i there isn't one, is
0: there? Hold <laughs> <laughs> on, <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Okay.
0: Brosnan, okay. Brosnan was the oh, great Brosnan. man for popping ball. Brosnan had a bit of an old punk kick in him as well, like,
2: he yeah, pun kicking into the back of the men. Okay, that was an interesting yeah, segue, yeah, lads. Right. Right, let's go to Tralee then. Do you know, you spoke to us a little bit about the atmosphere, um, James, that was there. Were, like, were you, were you huddling with a couple of mates or were you surrounded by, who were you watching the game with?
1: Yeah, went over with my father, Dermot, and a couple of buddies. And yeah, we were huddled in nicely. We needed to be because the rain was absolutely pelting though. Um, but would
0: started... You, he started when, you, when you see those conditions, are you thinking like, I'd love to be out there or not? I was delighted to be retired now when I was watching Nutella on Saturday night. I was like, I didn't know you in those conditions.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I, for some reason, the rain in Tralee is all right because the surface holds up and it's a nice zippy game. Yeah. yeah. some places where you're playing in the rain and the wind picks up and it is demoralizing. But for some reason, Tralee is not the worst place. It's worse to watch than play, I reckon. <laughs> it's one of those It's one of those kind of places. Camille, what's,
2: uh, what's German alone who like to watch a match with? Your father. He's good. Very good. Does he get into it? Does he roar and is he shouting? He's obviously a man with a couple of is he three or four all the medals himself? Three,
1: yeah. Three, yeah. Um no no roaring, no shouting. Okay. Um just watching, taking everything in. But he have a quiet word with you. You probably
2: haven't watched many games with him, have you? Kerry games?
1: We haven't, to be fair. No, I'd say two or three, I'd say ever, yeah. But we used to go up to we used to go up to the to Crow Park together. And watch the watched the games when I was younger, but not in a long time. Not to be fair, so it is nice to get those get those days out. Well, I think I, the the wind and the rain actually helped the way the Kerry wanted to play
0: yeah. the
1: last day because uh, if you heard Jack O'Connor's interview after the game, he was saying we were a kicking team. We stopped kicking against Kildare, and I think that that was because a bit of Newbridge. It's hard up there to actually play that game. Whereas truly the field was wet. They could zip the passes. The Dublin full-back line, in fairness, were a bit off the boys in the full-forward line. Everything was sticking. It was just fast, quick game. And it suited the way Kerry wanted to play, I thought. And they made hay off it.
2: Let's talk about Kerry's attack a little bit because, um, you know, early on, they were getting a bit of ball and they had a couple of wides. And then Clifford misses a penalty. And as Paddy mentioned, we have... The, the Dean Rock chance, you know, or right. I suppose not the Dean Rock chance. It was more, you know, Lorcan Vell coming through and it was a missed opportunity. Then we have the Dean Rock goal that gets disallowed for the incorrect black card that was attributed to Niles Scully. But I think the point is worth making. The, the the screen itself was a foul. Like it was a bit too obvious a screen. He nailed the carry defender and Rock was left in a load of space. So we're not really arguing the fact that the black card was right, are we?
1: Mm. no it was it, it, or is that harsh was it, is that a harsh black card it was cute defending Like
0: I think he, the defender he, makes the most of it as well okay. yeah he knows he's been caught out like and um, to be fair mm, no, I, if but, it goes over the bar it's probably not called technically technically look it is a foul so, so that's yeah. fine I think the, the issue was Scully was actually having a, having, a, having a good impact on the game. Dublin, I think, started a hell of a lot better throughout that, that, that first quarter. I thought it was very nip and tuck. Bear in mind, against really a strong, strong wind. Dublin started off a lot better than they did the previous week against Armagh. Scully gets sent off. He's one of their most experienced players and in terms of managing control in a game and control and transitions, he's a key player for Dublin in that regard. And despite the, the positive start they've made in that quarter over the next 12 minutes, they're outscoring one nine to no score. Yeah, and the game yeah. is up at that point. And in, in that instance, and I, uh, sympathy with, with Desi Farrell, it's like in a game like that, and you you know it, James, and we would have had it ourselves when we were at our peak. When you're down a man or you're under the cosh, you, you kill the game. just And that just comes with experience, you start keeping the ball, you start slowing it down.
1: Maybe. Come for trade, to be fair to him. He did. Yeah,
0: but, 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 but it, that needs to be a communal thing. And and it is. It's from kick out to sidelines. You just, let's get to half time here. But Dublin have five or six new guys who have never really been in that experience before. Like, Tralee is a hard place to go at the best of times. Even our team at our peak, I don't think we ever won down there with a draw and a couple of defeats. And, and to be fair, it was going well to that point but that 10-12 minutes Dublin were just wide open at that, that point and they they just lost all momentum in the game and I see once Kerry got their tails up it allowed the, the space inside them for those guys it allowed Kerry to play their exact A game like, like Jacko said it after the game you've got a full forward line like like they have Paddy Clifford I thought was really impressive back to his best drifting out and leaving the boys inside Kerry want to kick the ball quickly. They want to move the ball up the pitch, one touch, bang it into that full forward line. They were lethal. And that 10 or 12 minutes, Dublin were just down the body, but also the structure was was gone at that point. And that inexperience really hurt them in that period. And I think that was the game gone at that point. Yeah. Game over. Yeah. A 13-point uh, deficit at halftime. There was no way they were coming back despite the conditions and things like that. So that's the disappointing piece, but, but you've got to give credit to Kerry as Jacko said it, far more clinical, far more direct in their style of play and that's when they're at their best. We said it. Kerry are not. They, they struggle when it's tighter. It's a more compact game like it was in Newbridge or like it was against some of the Northern teams last year. The space was there for them and if you give those guys space, there's nobody better. Nobody better. Some of the scores were, were spectacular. Dublin just didn't have an answer.
2: Yeah. James, so, just I- in the Gael boys. Oh, sorry, do you want to jump in there? I'll come back to my question after go on.
1: Yeah no go on the Nigel boys yeah they made a difference but before you go on to that I think now this was from being in the in the terrace obviously so I got a feel for for the game probably a bit different to to watch it on TV there was like there was kind of an expectancy in the stadium that Kerry had an extra gear in that first half fair enough the black card definitely was the starting point but I just thought that Dublin were so open people were kind of waiting for Kerry to have that that good spell, that purple patch anyway. And Mm. it was just strange that Dublin left their backs so exposed. Like, we talked about last week, Keanu Sullivan coming back, protecting his full back line, just doing the clever thing. Dublin had the chance to do that and just settle themselves, but they didn't. And even one three, or no, say six points into that one night, right? So they're right in the middle of their purple patch. Yeah why didn't they then drop a man and say, right, they've done enough? Like, they stuck at it. They stuck at man for man for 25 minutes. Do you know, right up until the end of the half. And it, it, it's, it, it,
0: it, even if, if you look at the goal, Clifford is one-on-one to receive the pass from, from the sideline inside the whole 45. Yeah, with Gannon, isn't he? Yeah, inside so the whole 45. And they're going, that, that is just... That is uh, lads being hung out to dry. You know, we touched on it last week, and the full back line. You know, th- they're the consequence of it. They they get all the stick, and it's like, geez, the carry for forward line run amok and and listening to, to Spillane and Kieran Whelan analysing at half time as well. Like, there's not a lot that the full back line can do there. There's a gale force wind. The are like peppering the ball inside again. There's not massive pressure out around the middle of the field. I thought the midfield for Kerry this week made a massive difference as well. Dermot O'Connor had, had had an excellent game. And we've seen Sean O'Shea back to where he's he's more comfortable. He clips a couple of scores. You're right. Like Gini, probably a little bit wayward initially. He could have had a couple of scores early on as well. But once it clicked, you're, like Dublin didn't help themselves in, in terms of how open they were. And just isolating that full back line. And bear in mind, these are inexperienced players. It's not Mick Fitzsimons and James McCarty and these guys who, okay, if you want to go one-on-one, well... They've proven they can do it over years and years and years. These are young guys coming into that ex- ex- environment. That is a massive ask. And it just, it was a bad 10 or 12 minutes for, for Dublin. They look at that. But, but I think the goal is just an, an obvious example of that. One-on-one. Clifford inside the 45. Mm-hmm. And then Daryl comes running through. and He does he's, well, he's well to make that. Yes. He's clean and goal. It's like, it's too easy. It's too easy. And it was too easy against our last week. You fear for it. If our could do that what if Kerry got their tails up with the likes of Clifford and Sean O'Shea and they did and they've seen it like I say 1-9 1-9 without reply in a quarter
2: and they only kicked a point in the second half but they never really looked like they were in danger you know Dublin added tagged on points but they never looked like they were in any any sort of danger James on on the Kerry attack last week we had a good chat Paddy kind of brought it up in yourself talking about McManus loving the rough stuff Another man who has absolutely does not shy away from it is David Clifford, and he, he obviously gets his fair bit of treatment from it. There's a lovely moment where himself and Small had obviously had a bit of a, a scuffle or a skirmish, and then as a referee is going to deal with it. I can't remember what he does. It could have been could have been a yellow card each. Yellow, Clifford, yeah. yeah, Clifford and Smallie just kind of smirk and smile at each other and pass it off. But like that's two competitors going at it. So. You know, that's never really going to... Obviously, Clifford has had a couple of red cards at Reacting and he's probably been harsh once or twice. I think there was a sending off in Tyrone where a, a Tyrone sub got him sent off. I'm going off on a tangent here because my question is not about Clifford loving the rough stuff. My my question is about that like, David Clifford point that loads of people are saying is the score of the week this week. Um, and it, like it's an incredible point. Because like Kieran Kilkenny is shadowing him he gets the ball he's about 45 yards out he's going on the side and he cuts in nonchalantly and swings it over the bar in terms of the best David Clifford scores you've ever seen in your life
1: where does that one rank? The sickening thing is it's probably not even in his top 10 like he has he has the ability to do anything and in fairness him, like we said about McManus last week he takes on difficult shots and he takes on responsibility when he's personally under pressure as well. Like say after he missed the penalty, he went looking for the ball straight away and That's got awesome. him on the scoreboard straight away. It's just a mark of a, of such a quality player. And w- last week as well, we were saying, what do you actually rate in a score? And the timing of a score is is actually now my favorite thing. When can you get that <laughs> score? Because... Even the mentality to step up and throw that over after, you know, maybe an error or two was mm. just an absolute beaut. But yeah, he scored some outrageous scores. That was, that was up there, but I'd say maybe 11th in his list.
2: Did he? It kind of reminded me a little bit of the score in, in that famous game against Cork. Do you remember it? The yes. one that nearly goes over the stand.
0: An unbelievable score. I did a couple of bad misses that day.
2: Oh, he was very unlucky. Do you remember that goal? There's been a slow-mo replay of that Clifford goal chance, that outside of the left boot that just goes by the the, the Cork goal that day. Yeah.
0: Remember that score, Porky Creep, as well. <sighs> Off the charts score. Um, but like, it's nice as well, do you, you know, Adley, when there's a gale force wind behind you, <laughs> your range, you've got another 15 yards in the range and you pull the trigger a little bit quicker than you normally would. But... Um, the, the footage of the fan there from the stands. Class. Guess, get that angle of it. He kicks the ball about 100 yards into the air. Like He's got to come down. The ball nearly finished up with Killarney, I'd say. But, um, but like, the thing I, I find amazing with him, and I would have watched the game last year in Turles, the the game that finished the draw, and Mick Fitzsimons and him were having a serious battle. And I actually thought Fitz, he did well on him, And then Clifford scored six points. <laughs> Like, like a six point like attack. You can only limit the damage but if he gets the ball in his hands, and like I say Kerry are looking to get him the ball all the time. Kerry at their best, they're kick passing the ball, it's moving quickly up the pitch. Potty Clifford is on it, Sean O'Shea is on it, and they're looking for Clifford. Even if you have one of your best markers on him, doing a good job. Rona McNamee in, in last year's all-them <laughs> semi-final, eight he points. can still score six, seven, eight points. He is just that good. I can't see today where, where someone's going to shut him down, down, down completely um, but Saturday you're right he, a, a poor enough penalty obviously next ball Jimmy's inside great score and then he just gets momentum and that's the danger that's the best teams carrier like that you give them five or ten minutes they can blow you they can, the game can be over in that space of time that's the quality of the players they have and, and look he's what else can he say this
2: do you remember when you first became aware of him James I know, okay. No, sorry. That's a silly question because he was he was obviously big a big story in, in Kerry. I'm asking you, when did when did he first become aware of you on a kind of senior level in Kerry? Like I think I remember Kieran Donahe talking about twenty seventeen in and around the Mayo replay, he was obviously still playing minor and just looking at the training and going, Can we get this fella in for the replay? Can we can we bring him in here? Like he's ready Why to was go. Was he in
1: the squad? Was he in the no, squad? No, no, he, he wasn't. He was still yeah. minor like. Right, you be in a minor squad and the senior squad? I don't think you could. I don't think you
2: could back then. There was a rule brought in that you couldn't, yeah.
1: But he was playing with the same. Yeah. And obviously there was huge talk about him. And we went to a couple of those same games and he was... As Kerry seniors, like he just... Was that your old school? school that wasn't your school, old school. school. yeah. So yeah. we go to the game sometimes. And some of them, when they get to the All-Ireland Final, it's on TG Carr. Hogan Cup, uh, yeah. So he was playing, but he was like on another planet. So you knew that he was ready to come into the senior team. And even when we were, you know, going for dinner and things after training, the management would be talking about him. They'd be saying, did you see this? Did you see that? So like, oh, yeah? yeah, he was, he was ready to go at 18, like ready to play.
2: Yeah. So he had a, fair. he had a YouTube fair. highlight reel from Crow Park when we, he was 17. That's better than most.
0: In, I'm not sure if you were playing, Jim, you might've might been injured. We played Cardi in the league in 18. Eighteen was his first year on the Kerry senior team, wasn't
1: it? Yeah. Yes.
0: What about we? We played just in Crow Park in a league game on a Sunday, and that was just, that was my first time playing against, and a lot of the lads it would have been their first time playing against them. And the first half, I think it was Mark and Keaton Sullivan, and he scored three. I think he scored three points in the first half, and it was like <laughs> this fella's serious. seriously. <laughs> like, we, we like we would have heard about him. Obviously, you've seen him on. Hogan Cup and obviously his minor exploits. He scored four, he scored four, four in the minor final against Derry.
2: against Derry, yeah.
0: So we were like really intrigued to see him against our defense. And in that first half, that would have been his first time playing against us as well. And yeah, you knew, like, th- th- he was like Ron. i might have been a second or third ever senior game, and he was already kicking spinners. And Croker against our best defenders and you're thinking Jesus this fella has got to be a handful for the next 10-15 years like yeah. and he's, and really he's
1: really- just
0: he's just carried it on he's like he's constantly delivering under the highest pressure yeah and if, like I say if Kerry are getting to where they want to get to he is going to be the guy that's going to shoot him there along with Sean O'Shea if um, Ganey and Party and, and Clifford the guys can chip in as well but like it's a massive pressure on him as well but He's ticking the boxes all the time. The yeah, consistency, the, the consistency of the, the quality of his performances. Like, I say, even in the worst conditions, it's it's incredible to watch. It is incredible. There's not many people in the last 10, 15 years that I can think of that meant to do what he's doing. Like,
1: yeah, I think he's oblivious to the pressure. I don't think he like he, it's been on him. It's been on him since school. Hmm. Like he's been, he's turned up to games and people have expected him to get a hat trick. Do you know, like that's been on him for a long time. So I think that he's oblivious that I don't think that's going to be an issue for him. Really? What's interesting for him is that he has great relationships built up with other forwards. Like obviously Paddy's his brother. They have like a connection yeah. that obviously you can only get from a brother, but like they're on the same page. Himself and Shawnee Shea seem to be on the same page since they played minors together. Yeah. And himself in Gain, you know, seem to be really motoring well. You need those kind of little relationships on your team. And I think that he he's good at forging those relationships and and getting both better for him and better for the for the other fella.
2: You can obviously see players that are good at doing that. Could you see that with Clifford that he was that was something he would actively do, try and forge those relationships?
1: I think the top fellas just do it naturally. Do yeah. You know, they help you, you help them. It's just a natural thing. It's a team sport. He's like any fella who's in it, you know, to do his own thing isn't going to benefit anyone. Mm. He's not going to end up looking good. The team is going to lose. So the top fellas are always in it. Team first. He's definitely one of them.
2: Paddy, final word on Dublin. Um, Thought you spoke very well last week around, I suppose, the problems that were there and maybe the steps that could be taken to get out of it. You're saying you saw some improvements in that first half and then obviously the game gets away from them after that in that last 15-minute spell before halftime. What, what's next for Dublin? Like, What happens in these next two weeks? Is it a chance to reassess?
0: I think it's like, and Desi has said it himself, and like I say, it's not... like People are, 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 are getting frustrated, I'd say, Dublin supporters, going, they're not used to being in this situation. It's been sunshine and roses for a decade and all of a sudden Dublin have lost the last three matches in terms of the Mayo game last year and they're open two games of the league. There's going to be bumps along the way. You look at the personnel of their team and that's why it was disappointing that really watching the game. You see James McCarthy and Connell Callaghan on the team sheet and then there's a complete change from, from the squad. There's five or six guys in there. I put Con in my fancy team. <laughs> yeah, so you see, Desi, Desi doesn't care about the fancy teams.
1: <laughs> why did Desi, why did he name them and then... I don't know. It was a donor for the Dublin supporters. I don't
0: know. Oh, Oh, I'd say it was. I'd say it was. I was excited. I was like, geez, Khan is back. Khan, I think, is one of the best players in the game. He's just a totally different dimension when, like, Kieran went inside and played inside, which I actually liked. I thought Dublin needed to try and get the ball up the pitch quicker. We spoke about that last week. It was very passive. It was, you know, ponderous play. You put here on mm. inside if you have Conor Callahan there, that immediately gives you a direct outlet to move the ball quicker up the pitch. I think that's what Dublin are going to be working on. I think they'll get a couple of those guys hopefully will be back for the Mayo game. That's a massive game against Mayo and Crow Park in two weeks' time. Yeah. Dublin need to get a result. I, I totally understand there is going to be inconsistencies in the performance because you're just going to get that. But you look at Derek Hanlon, Cameron McCormick, Tom Lahiff, Lee Gannett, these guys. It takes time for these guys to get up to speed. Like Kerry Trilley is one of the hardest places to go at the best of times. Yeah. So you're going to expect there's going to be some teething problems there. And, and Desi's pretty open about it, to be fair to him. He's like, yeah. this is what the National League is going to be like. We're not yeah. looking to win the National League. We're looking to see can we get three or four new guys to come in and be at that level. And that's the acid test for those guys. But they're going to get these games. A lot of those guys are going to play again against Mayo. And it's a massive challenge. May are going well. They're going to play when they're playing to their own later in the league. And it, it, it's, when you get to April time and you've had seven games in the National League and then you can look and go, we've given these guys a real crack at a whip. Some of them aren't up to it. But we found two or three who are ready to play in the championship to supplement Guys, when when they're fully back, you're Michael Fitzsimons or or James McCarthy's and these guys as well. So yeah, I think yeah. Dublin they're gonna to continue to try and find new players and bring them through. They're being exposed at the highest level of the game. So that is a massive ask for these younger players. You've got to have patience with them. But they'd also look and go, can we get our best players back playing well as well? Like, can we get Brian Fenton back to being the best midfielder in the game? Can we get Kieran Kenny back kicking scores? Dean Rock. Niall Scully, John Small, all of these guys, they need to get up to speed and then hopefully some of those younger guys start gaining a little bit of confidence, get a win under their belt perhaps against Mayo in a couple of weeks' time yeah. and get the season up and running. Because it's been, it's been a hard couple of weeks for Dublin, for all the players involved and for the coaches involved. And look, that, that was a big ask to go down to Tralee. And as good as it was, or as decent a start as they'd made, you just seen the inexperience got them in that second quarter where the game just completely got away from them. And then it's a massive uphill task. So yeah.
2: D- D- as you said, there was fourteen new players in the in the squad after the game, and then like James Ray got in touch and said, back to front missing today: McDade, Merchant, Cooper, Fitzsimons, McCarthy, Paddy Small, Cormac Costello, Conor Callahan. That's probably five of six first choice defence. Two out of three of your first choice full forward line. Five regular all stars. Dublin might be liking the write off. So we leave that there. We'll we'll come back at it again after Dublin Mayo. We know rightly that's going to be a, a good game. Um, other Division One games: Mayo bet Monaghan we were very wasteful in that game. They kicked an awful lot of wides. Uh, Donegal held off Kildare, but the, the the big news really coming out of both of the Michael Murphy seemed to pull up with an in- injury for, for Donegal. Um, we actually have a comment in on, on Instagram saying, why in earth is Michael Murphy playing football in February? He should be wrapped up in cotton wool until the summer. <laughs> I don't know if, if Michael Murphy would stand for that. He probably wants to play every game he can. And then in the Monaghan-Mayo game, both Jack McCarron and Mariano Donahue really looked on it. Like McCarran kicks one three, kicked one gorgeous score, kind of customary. Jack McCarron's score off his left from about 21 yards out at one stage. And a kicked one six. Like really on he it. Doherty but, with another goal as well. Doherty with another goal, played really well. Jim O'Connor landed a bomb off his left. There was some really it, it Norm really impressed me. Um, I watched the uh, a couple of games with Andy Moran last year, and he picked out Orm as the one to watch. He played with Knockmore, always looked a little too slight, but he seems to have beefed up a little bit. Bit of a playmaker to be in there. He, good, good footballer. Looks
0: good. Um but you're looking for me, there's and it's it's so hard, frustrating for me. that, you get Killian has got to come back into it tr- throughout the rest of the league. He was a massive miss last year, yeah. and you're thinking. Can Mayo get a full forward line with Tommy Conroy, Ryan O'Donoghue who was really pushing on again. You can mm-hmm. see his confidence. He belongs at that level now and killing O'Connor coming back. And then they lose Tommy Conroy. And it's like, it's so harsh for them. Like the, Those guys, the three of them together could really put Mayo in a strong position. So guys like Aidan Orton, they're going to get opportunities now. And that, yeah. that's what James Horn. to be fair, he's kept the show on the road. He's, Whatever had these been dealt, he's managed to get the best out of that, that team. So, hey, Norm's going to get opportunities over the National League. And they, for Mayo's sake, they need him to stand up. They need yeah, these guys. Yeah, they do. because J- Jason Doherty's essentially like a new player for them. He is. Yeah, yeah. And he's continue. He's only going to get better as well as he gets more and more games under his belt. Big win for them, I feel. To Massive. Get Got their tails up, obviously, with their comeback against Donegal. And it's a massive game for them coming up to Crow Park to take on Dublin again in two weeks. I think that's going to be a very interesting one to win, see how Dublin approach that and can Mayo kick on again. I want to go back-to-back to wins over Dublin. That'll give them something to about. There'd be crisis. There'd be crime. Yeah. We'd be calling it, I don't know what be It'll be interesting to watch in two weeks' time. I think it'll be a great game. Well, from
2: that Mayo game, Paddy, um, Mayo lost on McLaughlin to injury. And it was such a pity. McLaughlin's such a bad run of luck since, since last year when when he had that horrible injury against Dublin. And then, see, it's, look, I don't want to be getting in speculation here because we don't know. We're recording on Monday night. We don't know yet what it was. It seemed to be an ankle injury. There was word that he was in a boot after a game. So hopefully that isn't another long term loss. They obviously lost Tommy Conroy to a cruciate in the Sigerson. The last day we were talking, I've got two Sigerson captains sitting here in front of me. One. Captain DCU to the Sigerson title. I have plenty of photos of that. I cannot find a single photo of James O'Donoghue captain in Newell back in 2014, (laughs) but I am told he was the Sigerson captain back then. I would like to ask you a question. (laughs) <laughs> Should fellas be playing Sigerson Cup midweek and starting for their counties in the National League? James O'Donoghue, I'm going to ask you to jump in here because once more this week, you blew up Twitter. Here's Morgan and GAA, this fella. It's only a matter of time before intercounty lads are pulled from Sigerson. Why put that fixture on 48 hours after a National League game? It cost Conroy one of the most important years of his career. Respect the competition and give it its own time or this would keep happening. There's a lot in that.
1: It was a great tweet, I not <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was a really good tweet. No, I'm joking. You're, you're right
2: though. Let's start, let's so start with Tommy Conroy losing a year of his career. You can empathize with that.
1: I can. I can. And it it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating because everybody, let's leave Mayo out of it a second. Everybody wanted to see what Tommy Conroy was going to bring this year. He's had a couple of years where he's been excellent. This was going to be the year that he was going to really, really make a mark. He's... Physically, he's transformed. He looks like he's put some serious effort in. He has probably dedicated his whole life over the last two or three years to getting in a position this year to be one of the best in the country. And then he gets lumbered with that schedule and gets put in that position and always done his crucial, shit and he's out. Even, they say it's a 12-month injury. Oh, like it, it, it's more than that because how long before he's actually back to his best then yeah, it might yeah. be another 6 months so you're looking at maybe 18 months before he gets back to this and even then mentally he was so on it over the last couple of months yeah. is he is he going to come back to that level terrible and right? like i just don't see the reasoning for putting Sigerson on the same time as National League what they're doing is they're belittling Sigerson and they're belittling the National League because the National League is not miles off championship like some people were replying to me kind of going oh it's still ages away from championship National League is right up there with championship now and the press are hammering it if you lose you're under pressure if you win you're brilliant. Do you know? It's not like it's going under the radar. You are it's depressed now. News, <laughs> but it is. The media. So, so, so okay. So I, <laughs> uh, and I, I retweeted this
2: tweet because I can empathise with a lot of it. But on, on, upon further inspection, I can't tell what you're saying here. Are you saying to? Get rid of the Sigerson? Are you saying that it needs to be. <laughs> what, what are you saying? You're getting kind of like, in your mouth. This is what it, happens. No, here. no, I, no I'm, not, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on here. Like, what are you. Like, one question I'd have is okay, so you can't. It's hard to expect the players to put their hands up and say, I'm not playing league at the weekend. I've got Sigerson during the week because, okay, A, they may be getting scholarships to play Sigerson football. That may be, you know, looking at their future careers outside of Gaelic like football. Their responsibilities there. But B, they want to be playing for their county and making their team. So the decision can't be on you, the players. What about managers?
0: Players, it's it's not fair on players. These are all younger players as well. They're probably inexperienced in terms of their, their inter- county career. It's the coaches have to have a stand at this. If you're asking a guy to play in like horrendous conditions you've had over the last two or three weeks, and generally that's what Sigerson has played in, you've got guys playing on a Sunday in a tough 75-minute National League game, traveling home that evening in lectures then Monday, Tuesday, playing again. They're probably the main men for their college team on Wednesday, again in horrendous conditions. Then they're, they're going county training on Thursday to play again the following Saturday or Sunday. That's three savage games in, in a week. It's inevitable you are going to get knocks at this stage of the season you're hoping it's like a, a, a little a bang or a maybe a couple of weeks out but the situation you, you can't be surprised if something like that happens to someone like Tommy Conroy and it's it's heartbreaking for him it's heartbreaking for Mayo James is right you're, you're looking at how Ryan who's kicked on and taken the conference from last season Tommy Conroy no doubt is thinking of that vice-captain with Mayo this year like a massive player for them and he's looking forward going this is a a, a breakout season for me again and it's taken away from him like that it's you're talking about player welfare, you're talking about the colleges being given the limelight that that competition and the history and tradition deserves. You've got to rely on, on, on the coaches of them, of the inter-county teams and the colleges to, to figure this out. You can't put that on a player to turn around and say, I'm not playing or I want to play that. Because no. players, players will generally want to play, but it's probably not in their best interests to do that over the course of two, three, four weeks in a row. It's inevitable you're going to get these knocks.
1: But well, I don't well, think look, I don't think that who's who's looking out for the players there because I, I don't think there is anyone at the minute, James. It's not, I agree, because the Sigerson crowds, right? They're they've only got another year of even knowing this fella, whoever it is. And then he's out of their lives, he's gone working somewhere. Do you know? Like they have no loyalty to the players because they're only in their, in their university for a couple, of, a couple of years anyway, and then they're off and they have a new person in. So are they really that concerned about that player's welfare when they only have him uh, for a couple of years? I don't know, I don't know
2: about that. Like, I, think, I think what the Sigurdsson offers players around the country is an incredible opportunity. There's a, there's obviously a mixture there between players of an intercounty standard and players who are trying to break onto an intercounty squad or, or come along, come on a bit further. Just Patty, you've spoken before about the crack that was there and that Sigerson oh. win that you had before and the memories that were made. <sighs> Football can be very, 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 very serious. And the Sigerson Cup, it's bizarre that it's not given more credence more spotlight that there isn't more fans at it because there's incredible like david clifford was playing in ul there <laughs> about two weeks ago putting on a show and like there wasn't i don't know how big a crowd was blown at like do you know um 25. i don't know if i don't know if the i don't know if i would i would point the finger at the colleges i personally would be looking at intercounty managers and saying in a way can you not live without this player for a week or two but i would also yeah. be looking at the ga schedule which is the issue now in saying that paddy I'm I'm probably looking at Division One manager saying that when you get down lower in the grades, it's probably more and more difficult to yeah, players know, off. So I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, Colin Collins isn't starting his Sigerson players. Do you know? There's a couple of players there that are flying for UL. M McMahon and uh, Daniel Walsh, and they're not starting for Clare. Even if they weren't starting, like Morris Brosnan had a tweet there um, two weeks ago in February 2016. Five games in 16 days. Jack McCaffrey hamstring. Paul Mannion does his quad in that same year Tony Kelly and Sean Finn play Munster League in Fitzgibbon ankle ligaments and cruciate for each of them February 2018 four games in 10 days David Clifford does his hamstring February 22 two games in four days Tommy Conroy does his knee McLaughlin it looks like he's done his ankle like we're, we're nearly at the business end of it like NUIG are playing Tralee on Thursday night DC are playing UL the Sigurds and Finals the week after we had this issue with Congress last year, and we were looking at reshaping the calendar. The whole thing needs to be ripped up and reshaped. There must be room somewhere for the Sigerson. There has to be.
1: The only thing with Sigerson is the only people. Why do you hate the Sigerson? Why do you hate? the are interested? I never want to match in it. it like. The only people who are interested in Sigerson are the people playing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then they did, you ever, play. did you ever win a Sigerson match, Jimmy? In all your time in UL, one game, one defeat.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you're a to be <laughs> talking about this stuff.
1: Okay, well, let's go back here. here.
0: January, like January well, 7th. If
1: you're, rating, if you're rating the competitions, the Sigerson has to take its place as third, right? After mm. the Championship, the National League, then Sigerson. Mm. And then if you're taking player welfare into account, you have to move the Sigerson to maybe a split between before Christmas and after Christmas. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's fair on all the competitions and the players. Mm.
2: Yeah, I'm just it's looking at I'm just looking a an article finished. here from uh, January 2014. O'Donoghue content after UL's impressive opener. Uh, James, the contributor of 110 over 70 minutes, points to UL's scoring brace early in the second half as the key game's key period. <laughs> Liam Kern <laughs> the again. boss. And then there's a quote here. What makes, this is from James himself, what makes today's result all the better is oh, that we were missing Desi Moen and Offaly's Owen O'Connor. These are big guys for us and we'll be stronger again with them back. Uh,
0: the lads were on the beer, weren't they? They just didn't show up.
1: I, they, I they, I actually didn't actually, they didn't show up. And <laughs> forgiven, not forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, them, we actually know. had we actually had a very decent Sigerson team that year
0: decent, a few years from
1: But we yeah. had a decent Sigerson team, but we had a couple of lads playing with the the northern counties that um, that year and they picked intercounty over Sigerson. Mm. It was sore at the time. But, <laughs> I've had a bad experience with this, thing. So this is what happens. Maybe it's good that, to see you're over maybe, it, though. Now that I've talked about it, maybe I have gone a bit over the top now. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> now that I've let it out. But they picked, they picked National League and their intercounty teams over Sigerson. So yeah. maybe it is a choice that needs to be made. They, look, at it, it,
2: it, it's, it's not, it's not look right at, the way it is at the minute. It's not.
0: you look at it, Tommy, like, you're saying, where can we squeeze it in? Mm. The national leagues are starting now in the last weekend of January. Yeah, so can we play the Sigerson before Christmas? A lot of colleges are doing their exams in December, so then do you bring it forward to November? Whereas most intercount, our most uh, club championships are on right in the middle of that, and cl- lads are definitely going to play their club over college, or then do you bring it forward to October? That's like literally the one month guys might have off. They might if they're in an All Ireland final later on in the year or they're, again, they're right in the middle of club championship. It's very difficult to squeeze it all in. And and ultimately, the more so than we were talking about last year, proposal A, proposal B, yeah. there has to be sacrifices made. There has to be give and take made. But, but at the minute, when you're seeing these guys, some of the best young players in the country, picking up major, major injuries, and you're looking at and going, how are you surprised when you see these guys playing four, five matches in two weeks' time? Or over a period of two three weeks it's a massive ask in these conditions this time of year you're gonna pick up these knocks and that's not right either you've yep. got to look yep. after players um, so it needs to be figured out because it is a, despite what James he says it's a great competition <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's a savage <laughs> it is but, but, it, but, but it's yeah
2: no, I'm I get what you're saying though, no, yeah.
0: James. Struggling to make it work in a minute. I,
2: I, I just think it needs the whole thing needs to be redrawn. redrawn. We know that. There's going to be Congress in two weeks, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. It might leave a bit more room in the calendar. The thing needs to be figured out. Um, let's move on. Let's go around the grounds. We're going to get to our score of the weekend in a couple of minutes. We mentioned them briefly earlier, but Arthur D was in touch, and he said, expecting some acknowledgement on the football pod this weekend. Final score at Markovic Park. Sligo, 28 points. Carlo, 5 points some scoring boys like uh, we didn't see it obviously but like Nile Murphy kicked 9 points uh, Liam Toey is flying for him. another man playing
0: Sigerson at the minute um, it's, it's incredible Tony McIntyre has them moving well it's, if, if you look at the scores in Division 1 mm. it's a relatively low score the team's getting 11-12 points we've seen the conditions over the last two weekends for a team to go out there and kick 28 points okay Carlo maybe not at their best but that is savage scoring in those conditions. And like I say, I had the pleasure of working with Tony McAtee many years ago at my club, he wants to play exactly what they're talking about, what Kerry played, like move the ball quickly up the pitch, kick pass, and get the ball inside to our forwards. And to be kicking 28 points in these conditions is serious going, no matter the opposition. So yeah. that is that was eye catching to see that. you think thinking, is that a hurling match? But that was I feel like
2: I feel like Kerry racked up 32 against Clare a couple of years ago, did you? On a sunny day. Sunny summer day, was it?
1: In Killarney, yeah, we, we pressed the kick out and okay. it it worked wonders. It was just First, like... 32 it, points? Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I don't think we even had a goal chance. Like It was just keep kicking points. Like, we didn't actually go for any goal chance or anything, but yeah, we pressed the kick out. So we basically played backs and forwards for about Half an hour, because <laughs> it, we we pressed it. We did a load of work on it in training, waiting for you. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> how did that work out for you? <laughs> golf. You just say golf. <laughs> golf happened. Ah, uh, uh, look, look
0: at it. it. you no, a no. already this weekend. No,
1: I'm not joking. But uh, yeah, we pressed our kick out, and you know yourself. If you get boxed in from a kick out there on a nice mm. day, and the ball just demoralising, demoralising it.
0: He did that in a Super 8s game against Mayo. Poor old David Clark. Uh, down in Killarney as well. And absolutely blew Mayo out of the water as well. And it was the same thing. Kickouts, they couldn't get out of their half. <laughs> he must have scored about 20 points that day as well. Like, it's gas. If you get a handle on a kickout and a keeper and he's no one to hit, it's, it's a lonely place for a team to be. You're, you're up against it
1: yeah, Clark didn't have the boomer, as we used to call Clark. it, so, where he put it down. A lot of goalies have it where he put it down and they see a press and they can go over it. Yeah. But at that Began, time, Began had that at, at the time. So he was trying to pick kind of the sides and we loaded the big men out there.
0: Out to his left-hand side, onto the 45, nine yeah. times out of 10, We <laughs> He spent many hours going through that as well, Yeah.
2: Magov 1982 was in Semple Stadium. An eight-point defeat probably flatters tip, Tommy. Leitrim were awesome. The Andy Moran effect is clear to be seen. Such a positive guy. The players are supposed to be seriously impressed by the setup. Good to hear there. We'll see what happens in Leacham over the next couple of weeks. Um, Kavanaugh-Motor and well, as we mentioned earlier on. Can we talk about the health of Munster football briefly, James? We're going to come more back to this more in depth in the next couple of weeks, but Clare probably should have beaten Cork the other night. Brian, I don't know if you saw the free that Brian Hurley scored, but it was, it was kind of a free to drop short and it was spilled in. I think Darren O'Neill, the big midfielder, spilled it into the back and the net over the keeper. Yeah. And that put Cork ahead by a point and then Clare managed to kick a winner. Cork had a free from outside the 45, missed it, the chance to win it. So it's a point each. It remains to be seen how that'll impact both of them. I still think Clare with a decent shout of, of making something happen in that division. Like where are Cork at? Like still a very young side. Like it's clear over the last couple of years Sean Powder is the leader. We know he is. You know, Blake Murphy kicked the three points the other night. He's an All-Ireland under-20 winner. But like, Mark Collins is confirmed to be gone now for the season and like Mark Collins has been synonymous with Cork football for the last decade and, and trying one of these players that was always seemed to be raising standards always performed on the big days even when Cork football may not have been motoring as well as it should have been there's a host of other players gone as well I think there's seven players that have confirmed to not be part of Keith Ricken's panel this year who played a part last year in his championship Rory Dean is one of them Michael Hurley is another right. Sean White is another big losses
1: yeah it's a I tough think job th- Keith Rickon has a tough job in his hands he has a very tough gig But I actually read an interview he did in, um, I think it was in the examiner. He isn't putting that much emphasis. Well, no, he is probably, but he's not going to completely be defined by this year, which is important for them. Because I think he sees his job as completely restructuring Cork football. And it needs something. It needs a change. Because they said, they've lost seven or eight fellas. They're going through that dreaded world of transition. But they're going to take a couple of beatings this year. Because up front, we say scoring papers over an awful lot of cracks. They can't score without Brian Hurley. It's just a one-man band up front. Um, I know that the Finbar's lads are going to come back. They might get one or two forwards in there. But unless Ricking can find a way to get three more scoring forwards into that team, he's going to find it very hard but you know what I did I just before we came on I went down through the the 2010 winning team for yeah. Cork yeah yeah and l- listen to these six forwards Kieran Sheehan 10 Pierce O'Neill Paddy Kelly Goulding Donek O'Connor and Kerrigan like you've and a Colum goal O'Neill coming on yeah Colm O'Neill yeah Colm O'Neill yeah mm-hmm. He was a... Uh... Paddy
0: Kelly was class. Yes. Class, Pearson yes. Hill was just an absolute horse. Jeez. Monster. Handful, like. Goulding, my cornerback days, Mark Goulding in the Circus of Cup game, <laughs> scored about one seven and a half me. Goulding <laughs> never I missed should... a free. He was, he was
2: exceptional, wasn't he? He class. was. Yeah.
0: yeah. It was a great Cork team. Like, that's... You're right, James. Isn't that the name? That, like, we were laughing about a chat with Andy before in, in his last part about Leach and getting guys like Eminem Mulligan and stuff back. It's you nearly laugh at like Clifford makes it look so easy kicking scores. That is the difference. If you've guys when they get the opportunity that can kick those scores, like you look at Monaghan lose, like Monaghan if they're a bit more composure a bit more clinical the weekend, they're going to win that game comfortably against Mayo. They're struggling for scores, they end up losing the game. It is the difference at the at the highest level in the biggest games. If you've guys that are kicking wide and just cannot get the ball over the bar. <sighs> you're up, you're, you're going to struggle and you can see that with Cork, like Cork going into the Munster Championship, coming up against a Kerry or coming up against even a, even a Clare as you're saying there, they're going to be up against it because Brian Hurley's not going to be able to do that in his own, no chance.
2: Where where okay. would you see Cork sitting at the minute, James, in terms of the, the counties in Munster because we're seeing Biddy Lee do a savage job in in Limerick. We know the work that Colin Collins has done in Clare for the last eight years tip have won a Munster title in the last two years in Division 40 they're not They're not looking great this year at the minute where would you see where would you see the other counties in Munster
1: I think under Kerry I think Clare are number two now um, I think they're going to have it over Cork Cork are still third Limerick are now making serious gallop you'd have them fourth and then you have you've tip and Waterford do you know so the strength of Munster is difficult it depends which angle you're looking at it for Kerry Munster is going to do him no favours because they're not going to get any tests we played there was one year uh, and Clare were excellent at the time but we played Clare tip Munster semi-final Munster final and Clare again in the All-Ireland quarter and then into into Dublin like realistically undercooked without without facing a big challenge so Munster's probably not that strong. It's strong in terms of they'll all have close games against each yeah. other, but I think once Kerry come up against them, it's a it's a, it's a fifteen that. point it's a fifteen point rubber, Yeah. You know? But I don't know when I think of Cork, I see that they've won a lot of kind of minors, maybe not in the yeah. last they've won one in the last couple of years. One yeah 21 is yeah. City, is that the best thing for you to win that? Because I just, this sounds weird, but is your best option nearly to lose a big final at that age and leave it stir something inside in you? Yeah. To go on and, and have that almost, that gut feeling of a loss to, to propel you forward rather than think you're an absolute legend after winning in an under-20s and you're going into a nightclub and you're the man do you know? I I just wonder. Perhaps it's perks as well. With that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just wonder have they fallen down a bit with that? Do you know? Because not not many of those fellas have gone on to drive Cork forward. Like.
0: But it's amazing. They're they're under twenty one or under twenty record now is phenomenal in, in Cork. And Keith Ricken has won this competition. It was it twenty nineteen? They met Dublin in, in, in the final. Yeah. And you're right. It just doesn't seem to. They, none of them have seemed to have kicked on at all. And we touched on their very first podcast this year, talking of a preview on the national leagues and hoping for new teams to emerge. And it's funny, you look at division one and it's as open a year as you feel as ever with the championship, with the teams coming through, and Dublin and Kerry probably coming back to the, to the pack, but you're hoping for, you know, a Cork, a massive county with massive traditions, can they start getting back on on the road? And you see Galway to be fair from a Joyce, they've they've ticked all the boxes that's been asked to them this year. They're another massive powerhouse who you're hoping yeah. they come back and be one of the dominant teams. They win the FBD League and have kind of been really steamrolling teams in Division Two. And then someone like Kildare with their lads, they've had a tough start. You know, losing that game the game to Donegal, but, but Cork traditionally, you're like, surely this team can get back. Some like they should not be down being the third or fourth best team in Munster. So they should be pushing Kerry and challenging Kerry. And they just seem so far off that now. And like see losing players like that, that transition word, which is a dirty word for coaches and supporters, but it looks like it's got to be a long year for Cork, judging by what we've seen so far in the open two games of the National League. It's it's an uphill battle for Keith Rickon and that team.
2: Yeah, well, they've got Derry and they've got Galway next in their next two games. And as you mentioned, the Finbar's boys might be back. Blake Murphy did look good in that first half. Kicked three points for Cork. Um, he's one of the under-20s. Cahill Mahoney was the man to start a show back in 2019 when, when they bet Dublin in that under-20s. And he looked really, really good. He did his hamstring last summer. Um, so, it hasn't really, he hasn't really ignited uh, at a senior level yet, but he's somebody who could obviously break through for Cork in terms of a scoring forward. But, look at James, is something we'll keep had, an eye on?
1: They had Connolly. They dropped Connolly. Yeah. With Connolly. And... Fair enough. Looking from the outside, you'd be thinking he is one fella who can kick two or three points from play. Bit of and, magic, at least. Like, Creative, yes. for Nothing exactly, but yeah. he obviously doesn't fit into Rickon's philosophy. I think he's going for kind of more hardworking, kind of honest fellas. But there has to be some trade-off with the bit of class that a Connolly brings, Do you know? Because even I, I even don't think they have the luxury enough
0: to dispose of players like that. Like, I understand as a coach comes in and you want to put your own stamp on things, but like, you're, you're punishing yourself and your team there, really, in a way. Yeah, like, They don't have the luxury and the depth to dispose of a player who, like you say, can kick three or four points, There's lovely outside of the left foot, <laughs> passes. Yes. The surprise things. He's a, a unique player. It can be frustrating, I'm sure, to coach or to play with at times because you're not sure what he's going to do. But he's the type of player Cork are really crying out for. Just yeah. to take some of that burden off, off someone like Hurley. And, and even if it's just for a year or two, while these young 20s lads come through and they start getting up to, up, up to the speed of things, but it seems like an odd one now. And and again, like I said, there's lads walking away from the panel, Rory Dean, Mark Collins, they're massive players for Cork over the last number of years. And um, like their next two games are against arguably two of the best teams in the division. They were well beaten by Ross Common, and they're coming up against the next two big teams in division two. That could be, uh, it, it, it could be, be it could we tough could tough be season. having
2: this conversation again in a couple of weeks. Um, we're about an hour and 20 minutes into episode three, the football pod of Paddy and James. We are nearly done. We've got a couple of quick fire questions to get through. We have our fantasy football shout outs to do. Uh, just before we go, can I give a shout out to Ross Munley? I was lucky to play under Ross back in 2011-12. I bluffed my way onto a, a Freshers DCU team when I put a photo up on Instagram during the week. And from that Freshers squad alone, it was a decade since we'd lost the Freshers final. John Small, Donald Rain, Shane Carey, Connor Boyle, Connor Moyna, all started for their counties to name just a few at the weekend but we have to focus on the remarkable longevity of Ross Munley here he's kicked a point at the weekend to make it 20 consecutive seasons that he's kicked a a, a point for Leash. come off the bench kicked our last point in the defeat like he was a very successful freshers coach in DCU for a couple of years I don't know whether coaching is on Ross's mind going down the line, but he certainly had a big impact on an awful lot of footballers coming through in DCU. Maybe that's why I was so defensive with the Sigerson earlier on, James. I was always <laughs> a Sigerson wannabe. I never got that chance. I was always a wannabe, never got there, but, uh, Ross Munley, like that's just
0: unbelievable. It's amazing how he's still going. 48 years of age. That's still going. <laughs> that is. Yeah, kudos to Ross. <laughs> Above two, I did a take at DCU. I'm back there doing a bit of study. Uh, yes. And Ross is working in the alumni department, uh, I don't think I ever played with him. Did you not? I thought you would have no, had a year. Maybe maybe he moved on. He was there before me playing and then, no, I don't think I ever played with Ross. Played against him, obviously, a lot of times with, with Dublin and Leash. but I remember him being like a massive part of Miko's team 2003. Yes. When Leash, when Leash, bet Dublin and Beckel there and won, won that Leinster title and it was prime Miko, And Ross was like a key part of that. That's nearly 20 years ago that's it it's incredible stuff yeah, incredible yeah. stuff um, just to have the mentality to keep going back and like I say that's Leash haven't had a whole pile of success over the last number of years and Ross is there still going back shoulder to the wheel it is it is incredible it does deserve a shout out but, but yeah like, like he's 50 next year <laughs> it's still going it's, it's some going like
2: it is, it is. Right, let's get into some of the, the listeners' questions before we wrap up here. Actually, before we do that, Jim McEnany had a tweet this weekend, former loud footballer, uh, son of M McEnany. For the 400th time, imagine how good a red zone setup would be for National League games. Massive infrastructure would be needed for it, but it'd be so good and it'd be well worth a subscription. I'd pay 100 quid a month, I think, for this, if we had it. Jesus, uh, there wasn't enough football on this weekend. The hurling was back and the truth was all off. Um, there was only, what, the three or four games on TV this weekend. Going to have to start going to games again. Um, right some of the questions and sure enough Paddy Moran's first one can we get the football pod on TV League Sunday is finished as a program <laughs> well Paddy I have good news for you there's a thing called uh, smart TVs these days get YouTube on it and put in the oh, football yeah. pod on the Wednesday and you can watch us on the big screen every Wednesday <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, we'll a close deal or something we'll have to get Benetti or something to look oh. after <laughs> I need a bit of that
0: the football <laughs> pods fancy by Louis Copeland. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sorted out will you Come I on. know
2: I am I'm working on it out. the uh, out Nilo Kyle as I said earlier on why is Murphy playing football in February he should be wrapped up to later in the year um, a lot of questions about the Sigerson. Anthony Rowland wants to know are Armada real deal and should the Dubs be worried you can answer that one quickly Paddy as I look for a
0: question should the Dubs be worried about what in general should the Dubs be worried I'd say they are worried now yeah but I think are Armada real deal Again, we touched on it last week. Time will tell. They've been the most impressive team to date. Let's review all of this, I would say, in April time at the end of the National League. Dublin will get better. um, And they're they're hoping can two or three of these guys over the course of the next month or two stand up and and try and push into the team because they're going to need that. Desi Farrell needs some of these young guys to, to show that, yes, we're the real deal. We can play in this team, but... Time will tell. We'll see you over the next four or five weeks for both Arma and for Dublin.
2: Star Riley wants to know: Is there a chance that the Dubs could get relegated? James, you're like our, our uh, prediction master here.
1: Relegation expert,
2: is it? Yeah, relegation expert.
0: Um, but Throne have one of the slots already, according to James. Yes. So who's going to get? <laughs> no, number two? Only one spot left.
1: I only said they were candidates. To go. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, not what the clip said. <laughs> you edited that clip to make me look. <laughs> yeah, he's there, today, Jimmy. Uh, I don't. Do you hear? Actually, sorry. sorry
2: Do you hear? Podrick Ramsey has it up in the dressing room wall. <laughs> pundits, it's no he didn't no, we did a really good piece on the BBC social and said that there's pundits calling for us to be relegated already and I was there thinking I think it was just James O'Donoghue I'm only joking I'm only <laughs> we
0: should get him on next week so he's we the should. next couple of weeks off anyway he So he's out of time in a sense he does that's Ron. will be okay
1: we can say anything on Zoom anyway he's not in the room with me. no uh, <laughs> Dara Murphy wants
2: to know how did James find scoring 1-9 for the club we buried the lead O'Donoghue was back on the pitch for Clarny Legion at the weekend and he Shot the lights out.
0: One oh, night, no, James. Jesus. Yeah.
1: Jeez. yeah. I, no, it was an old pre-season tournament, so we were missing uh, a lot of players, and we're playing Glen Flesk. They were missing a lot of players, so it was just kind of a... a Mind thing. of playing, now? <laughs> <laughs> nice to be oh. back, James, was it? It was. It was. I did, playing any football is just good for the soul. And just getting back in the dressing room. Like, even the dressing room culture was gone during COVID. Like, even the... Yeah, massive you're getting changed in the car. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually, you're not getting the same enjoyment at all. Yeah. Whereas just being back in the dressing room, bit of crack, you know, just having a laugh and a job, playing a game of football and all, it was, it was lashing rain to be fair. But I mean, just being back there was, as I said, good for the soul.
0: They were all yeah. asking about the pod, weren't they?
1: They were. Good. They were. Okay. What's, so the feedback,
0: thought, what's the feedback like?
1: 10 out of 10, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I told them it was a tenor subscription so they all sent me on a tenner
0: he's there lad yes
1: <laughs> just uh,
2: if anyone hasn't seen it, it Adam Moynihan who works for the Clarny Advertiser um, he, he put up that James is playing so I DM'd him and I said what's the five word report on James Adonai's performance today Adam and he got back and said second fiddle to my son I was like, what's he on about here? I clicked on his page. There's these amazing photos, Paddy. I don't know if you saw them. I threw them into our WhatsApp group there. I've seen it. I did, I did, I did. did. My name's Gade running onto the pitch. And one of the players, I think that's a Glenn Fless player in midfield, just carrying him back off the field. So he was rescued. He came in to try and make an interception there. So um, yeah, unbelievable. Good for the soul, James. I'm looking forward to getting back on the pitch someday soon. Um, Yeah, so look at Kildare hype gone. Nile Coffee wants to know. That's the last one we'll leave it here. Is the Kildare hype gone or... Are they just gearing up for the dubs in Newbridge?
1: I can see Kildare rattling the dubs, like, all year. If Like, even later on in the year, they're going to have that game penciled in in their calendar. Like, that is what is on the forefront of their mind. When can we play Dublin? How will we get on that game? That's the only way they're going to gauge their year, is how they get on with that, if they get a crack off Dublin. So... They'll go and they will have a serious cut off off Dublin. Like, th- yeah. as we said last week, there's the air of invincibility is is just coming off Dublin a small bit. And if Kildare are going to look to put another dagger in them. Yeah. We were, at, we
0: were at the Lancer final last year, Tommy. They didn't yeah. the fire a shot. We were sitting there beside Johnny Doyle, actually, was doing a bit of work. Um, and they're looking, at it I was just disappointed from Kildare. Dublin weren't even at, at, at their best in that Leinster final. They didn't fire a shot. To have them in Newbridge, it's going to be a great game. They'll be down, down at it. Newbridge is a hard place to play, as, as Kerry's seen last week. That's why it would have been a big win for Kildare going up to Donegal and trying to nick two points, but they're probably well beaten in the end. Kildare are going to try. They have to win their home games. It's going to stay in Division One. That's a massive goal for that management team, to stay in Division One. We, we said it. Look at Meade getting relegated. They've kind of fallen off a cliff since, since they got relegated. You need to be in Division 1 to be competing with these teams. So, they're going to need to pick up points. They're probably going to be only, only be able to do that at Newbridge, I feel. So, that Dublin game in next month is going to be a massive game for yeah, both counties. Yeah. You're
1: right. For both counties. Kildare, like... Kildare suit Newbridge as well. Obviously, it's a home field, but it's kind of a long-distance kicking field for scores. Did you ever notice that? They seem to get an awful lot of scores from outside. Honey, did you ever play in Newbridge?
0: Yeah. Yeah, a couple of under-21 championship games, a couple of schools games, and a couple of Auburn Cup games, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: I was trying to get a dig in there. It didn't really work.
1: James gone?
0: No, yeah, <laughs> I have played there, yeah.
1: When I think of Newbridge, I think of Cribbin throwing over... Two throwing from. Yeah. It just suits them. They seem to be able to rack up a big score there.
2: Yeah, you know? yeah, no, definitely. It it's definitely very, does.
1: Very tough place to go. We have a
2: we had a lot of questions about Kildare this week so well, I think
1: up there. The,
2: the, the buzz is back the buzz is back in Kildare because we had a lot of questions in about them a lot of questions about the Mataron looking for your reaction to the red cards and uh, yeah so thanks very much for getting in touch at footballpod underscore GA on Instagram and on Twitter you can give us a give us a shout there very quickly the football pod score of the week have you got a shout Paddy Andrews for me did anyone stand out to you at the weekend
0: score of the week <laughs> There's a couple of those outside of the right ones that I like in the armada match. Mark mm-hmm. Hampsey again, to be fair. Yes. He loves it for a full-back. Reno Neal got a brilliant one as well. Pick one. Uh, off Hampsey, yeah, uh, was good. I love Evan Comerford's free, I have to say. His <laughs> first score say. for Dublin, great absolute score. Absolute Gale Force win. I was yep. like, there's no way this is reaching it. He kicked it over and then... Look, I taught Darren Moynihan's goal. It was a great finish for you. Some, some, some
2: did, you see the, did you see the fan footage that we put up did, on the Football pod account? Did, what that was amazing camera work. Sensational. Yeah. James, yeah. who is your... So who are you giving it to, Paddy?
0: Uh, you're
2: going to go keeper again? You're going to give it to Comfort? Nah, I'll give it to... Uh, I'll give it to Rayne O'Neill again. Okay, love lovely. Them. Great stuff. James, your score of the week.
1: couple of contenders from the Galway game even. I thought Shane Walsh got an outrageous free from... 55, I'd say. Yes. Again, Patty it was with the, the aid of a strong breeze. So he threw it up there, but it, it carried. Conroy got an outrageous score as well into the same goal.
0: As a blocker locker, yeah.
1: Ryan O'Donoghue's
0: goal... I missed it. I haven't seen this yet. Beautiful move. Beautiful move. Yeah, I yeah. read
1: about it. I haven't yeah. seen it. Because it was he had to open up the body to put a kind of a side foot into the bottom corner. It was the only place he could have put it. Like, like that someone else would have chipped a point another fellow would have blasted at the goalie but it was kind, kind
2: of, of Henri-esque wasn't it?
1: It was Henri-esque exactly he yeah. nearly dislocates his hip it <laughs> over the other side of the goal but he, uh, he oh, just lovely finish yeah he used <laughs> his soccer skills to do it so the, that
2: came from a turnover as well so you're going for a Donahue's goal yeah I will Okay, if it's worth anything I was listening to James Donahue last week talking about the importance of when the score happens um, Daniel Walsh and Claire is is mine he he steps inside his man. Powder chases him down to the twenty-one, and somehow curls over the equaliser and rescues a point for Claire. So I think we're going to give it to. Let's give it to Ryan. We're we going to give it to another Mayo man again.
1: No, give, um, it, give it to Claire. It, it
2: okay. okay, okay, let's give it to Daniel Walsh's equaliser because it meant it meant a bit more. Right, nearly finished, boys. Fantasy football shout-outs. James O'Donoghue, well done. You shot up the table this week. You're actually just a point behind me. Paddy Andrews, what happened this week? Like, the week beforehand, no. you were having technical <laughs> difficulties. So I actually put your entire team together. Like, you gave me instructions of what to do, and I kind of knew the type of players you'd like. What happened this week? Tommy
0: Conroy is captain, did I?
2: Yeah. <laughs> but you still had Conroy in your team. Yeah, you're... Look, here. Oh. You're, you're struggling. Look Probably needs actually now.
0: look and change a couple of these players now, because... Uh,
2: yeah, there's a two week break and uh, Kyle from the from the fancy Gaelic they, he put together a brilliant graphic from us that I'm going to put up and he actually had to re-edit it because none of us featured in the top 30 so he had to make it especially well, extended. I actually
0: have a username and password that can log in now
2: yeah I'll give it to you again after, after this right I've <laughs> so a few times with this Paddy Anders is 71st Paddy's Wolves 114 points this week 279 points overall James O'Donoghue who,
0: who did my score on this week then
2: Oh, I'd have to go look for it. You have to give me a minute to well,
0: go Gallagher's it. coach. They won again. Yeah, Gallagher's coach. I'll have uh, to go. So Shane McGuigan. Shane
2: McGuigan got you a heap of scores, but you just had a couple of players that were injured that weren't playing. James Dunhu got 217 points this week. So James is in 38th position, which is really good. Uh, your buddy, Jonathan Lyon, is in 29th, well ahead of yet former Kerry teammate. Um,
1: and he don't have a clue. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> Who's picking his team? <laughs> yeah, it's not me anyway. He's flying up the table. We've got a couple of James Calliffe who started in goals for Loud at the weekend. He is in 20th. Ian Corbett, the Limerick star, is 19th. Par Ranahan, a Limerick teammate, is 17th on our table. James Farley is our top scoring inter-county footballer that I can see. Former Calvin Keeper is ninth. Kieran Kenrick was our leader last week, and I've got a message from Kieran that I'm going to read out. Kieran has slid down to fourth position because Kevin Ford. From the Drunk Kieran Club in Leitrim. Leitrim for Sam is the name of his team. Scored 269 points this week. He's on 483 points. Kevin, actually, Kevin is joint top with Niall Hassan. So, lads, whoever sends in the DM first next week, Niall Hassan is from Dungan and Thomas Clarkson, Tyrone. Send in your DMs. Let us know about your selection decisions this week. This is what Kieran Kenrick had to say. Well, boys, thanks very much for the shout out on the pod during the week. Big fan of the show from day one. Double game week in the fantasy football this week. So I've gone all in on Keir- Garrow McKiernan and made him my captain. My source in Cavan has reliably informed me that he was suspended last week from ascending off last year. So he's back in the mix. And now he's going to have his best year yet. If my gamble pays off and I'm still top next week, you will have to give a shout out to Peter Morris from Aravind Cavan, who is my source and is also a big listener to the football pod. You won't find a more devoted football fan in the country. He's getting married in July and is off to London on Paddy's weekend for a stag where they're taking in a visit to Ryslip to see London and Cavan. But fair play. That's going to be some crack. Keep up the good work on the pod. I thought Andy's boots would be big ones to fill, but James is going well so far. Thumbs up and Kieran.
0: Wow, look at that.
2: I think that's a nice place to leave it this week. So Kieran, you you've slipped back down to fourth. It's a double game week, as you said. We'll see what'll happen now over the next couple of weeks. Uh, Niall Hassan is first. Kevin Ford is, is joint first and Martin McNamara from Ackle is three points back on 480 Backer. points. So he's in third place. We have a lot of work to do, boys. We're going to leave this week's Football Pod at, at that. It's been a mammoth pod. Thank you very much for your time. There was a lot to talk about again. There's no games next weekend, but we are going to be back on Monday evening with a Football Pod. Right. I think we're going to do our James O'Donoghue Ask Me Anything so get your questions in folks um, we'll start a recording a little earlier because I think two boys are getting tired here but thanks for listening this is episode three of the football pod of Paddy Anders and James Donahue. any last words boys before we wrap it up oh it's midnight We've go to bed good night good night and thanks for listening talk soon bye
0: lads
1: bye